Hey everyone, welcome to the Activate Podcast. This is episode number 82, and I'm happy to be with you today. If you ha- would like to catch up on past episodes, you can check them out on iTunes or SoundCloud by searching Jillian Pelkey Activate. Let's pray. God, we come before you humbled by the access that we have to you, humbled by your love and forgiveness, by your grace humbled by your uh, just desire to be a part of our lives. God, thank you. God, I pray that your word would speak to us. God, it would speak to us with power, life-changing power, life-giving power. God, I pray that the weary heart would be made strong. God, I pray for the weak mind to be made strong. God, I pray for the weak body to be made strong. God, I pray that as we run into your arms, God, you would give us everything that we need to live life your way. Strengthen your people, I pray. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Our lives are all about God. Our lives are all for God. And yet we get so tangled up in life. We get so tangled up in the everyday schedule that it's so easy to be going, going, going and talk about God and be about God's business, but not spend time with God. And what we like to do as people is to rush God, to rush his timing. And we all know that God is never late. That we like to rush things or we like things to happen quicker, but God is never late. He's always there at the perfect time, the thing that he has to work out for us has perfect timing. And a lot of times when we encounter sin in our lives, it's because we aren't trusting God. You steal because you don't trust God to provide. You kill because you don't trust God to take vengeance and work things out. We murder uh, with our thoughts because we don't trust that God will bring us peace. We don't trust that we can go to God with our feelings, that he could sort them out and be the great counselor that we need. A lot of our sin just is a lack of trusting in God. As I was reading Genesis this past week, there were two verses that stuck out to me, uh, and they're highlighted now in my Bible because, you know, sometimes I'm reading the Bible and there'll be a verse that just, it resonates with me in a way that's supernatural. And I hope that this happens for you too, that as you're reading, it's not just black and white words, but that the Bible would come alive to you. And one of the ways that happens is to pray uh, before you begin to read and then to invite the Holy Spirit to speak to you and to really listen, believing that he will. So I was reading Genesis, and there's two verses, uh, very parallel verses. One is Genesis chapter 3, verse 13, and the other is Genesis 4, verses 10. So we're going to take a look at that. Genesis 3, 13. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you've done? And similarly, we're going to look at uh, Genesis 4, 10. It says, and the Lord said, To Cain, what is this you have done? And I mean, automatically our voice or our minds can go right to those two accounts in Genesis, first to Eve and the garden. What is it you have done? And the account is of Eve having eaten the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. And then it's her son Cain who has killed his brother, and the Lord comes to him and says, what is this that you have done? Here's the thing with those sins. Here's those things with the the very thing that they knew they should not do. And Eve eating the fruit, 
showed her lack of trust that what God said she should follow. She was then trusting in herself. She was then trusting that maybe she knew better than God. Have you ever been there? Outright, we don't say, oh, I know better than God, but our actions show it through sin. We would never put that as a Facebook status. I know more than God. I'm taking the lead now. But our actions show it. So Eve, uh, thinking she knows more than God, eats from the knowledge of the tree of good and evil. And her sin is a curse upon her forever. Her sin is a curse upon her forever. Cain, likewise, kills his brother out of envy. And the sin that he committed of murder is a sign on him forever. Cain goes on to have this conversation with the Lord. How can I even go on living? Everyone will know what I've done, and I will be murdered myself. And the Lord has to protect him because his sin will live on in him forever. There's no escaping his sin. There's no erasing his sin. He will wear his sin forever. I hope that that hits heavy with you, that that sits heavy with you when you begin to think about how heavy sin is on these two individuals. When people sin, they feel justified in their sin, otherwise they wouldn't do it. So we convince ourselves that it's okay. We convince ourselves that stealing is okay because we really need the thing or uh, we want to stick it to the man or we can come up with any idea or any reasoning in our brains of why it's okay, why it's justifiable that Cain would kill his brother, why it's justifiable that Eve would eat the fruit that she wasn't supposed to eat, why it's justifiable to cheat on your husband, why it's justifiable to not go to church, why it's justifiable to not read the word of God, why it's justifiable not to pay attention to your kids because you're watching that. Netflix, why it's justifiable to do your own thing and not God's. Because we get this idea in our heads that we know more than the supernatural creator God that designed us. We get this idea in our head that we're going to help God out, that we're going to teach God a lesson, that we're going to really prove and be different than any other human that has ever lived, and we're going to make our own way. When people sin, they feel justified. Sometimes even before God, they feel justified in their sin, even before God. Well, I had to kill my brother because. Well, I had to cheat on my husband because. Well, I had to cheat on my taxes because. And they feel justified in themselves, and they feel justified before God. Adam says to God when Adam comes to him, or to when God comes to Adam about his sin in the garden, he says, it's not my fault. He has justified his sin. He says, not my fault. It's this woman that you've given me. When God comes to Cain and he says, Cain, where's your brother? He justifies himself saying, am I my brother's keeper? Why are you even asking me? I'm not in charge of him. Sometimes the punishment for sin can come before we're even repentant. Write that down. Catch that. Sometimes the punishment for sin can come before we're even repentant of that sin. The sin of Cain and of Adam and Eve were recorded never to go away. 
We look forward to uh, the account of Noah and his son Ham commits a sin against his father Noah. And Noah says uh, to him, Cursed be Canaan, whose Ham is the father. So cursed be your children to be the lowest of the slaves. And he goes on and, and curses his family for generations. The sin he committed would never go away. This is in Genesis 9, at the end of, our, of chapter 9. The sin that Ham committed against his father was on him and his children and his children's children and his children's children's children. It was never going to go away. And the punishment didn't match whether or not they were repentant. It just was. A sin marking a person forever. A sin being upon someone's reputation, upon their uh, being forever. Now, we fast forward to, to Jesus and, and his life and his offer to us. He offers to us that you can now be born of a new nature. You can literally put to death your sin nature. You can be dead to your sin and alive in Christ. You can be born as a brand new person who no longer bears the mark of sin. You, today, listening to this, you can be born of a new person no longer carrying the mark of sin on your life. The Bible says that there's a conflict between these two natures of, of sin and righteousness. And Jesus, with his death and resurrection, with his sacrifice of his own body, his own spirit, his own self, offers us now that we can put to death this nature of sin, and be born again as a righteous person. You can get divorced from sin. You can cut off yourself from sin and be joined instead to righteousness, to a newness of life. The old you is gone. The new you has come. Sin is so tricky. Sin will destroy our mind into believing that it's okay, that we're right, that we're justified. Sin in our heads, sin in our heart, has a snowball effect that gives birth to death. And we were once bound to this death. We were once bound to sin, to bear the fruit of sin. We were once caught up, marked, that forever we were sinners. Like Adam, like Eve, like Cain, like Noah's son, Ham. The sentence for our sin was death. Sin sells us into a bondage that we cannot get out of ourselves because the payment for it is death. And once we have uh, sin in our lives, we have an obligation to sin. We are chained to sin. But Romans teaches us that we, when we accept the gift of Jesus, when we accept the sacrifice of Jesus, that we no longer have an obligation to the flesh, but to the spirit. And we can be led by the spirit and know that we are children of God. 
Now, when we were bound to sin, we had to produce death, sinful things. Now we are bound to the Spirit of God producing righteousness. We die to sin. We are alive in Christ. The law of sin says that it will kill you, but Christ sets you free from that punishment. Sin is hostile to God. It cannot please God, but it deceives us. It wrecks our mind. It wrecks our actions. It wrecks our lives. And it's not up to us to try harder to get better. It's up to us to surrender our lives to the free gift of God, which is his Holy Spirit, which is a new nature. And when we put on that new nature, and Romans teaches us, in Romans 5 and 6, it teaches us that we are now dead to sin and alive in Christ, that now sin can no longer tell you what to do, that sin no longer has a hold on you. Sin can't tell you how to live. You don't serve sin anymore. You serve Jesus. And this promise of righteousness, this promise of a new life, it's not just a shady business deal. It is a holy promise. It's not just a shady business deal that may or may not work out. It is a holy promise from God that you can be free from sin and its penalty. You can be free from death. Romans 6 tells us to throw yourself wholeheartedly and full time into doing things God's way. Because when we realize what we have been released from, when we realize what we have been uh, washed up from, when we realize the depth and the gravity of our sin and what we've been freed from, we run wholeheartedly after the God that wants the best for us. And then we, we begin to trust his timing. We begin to trust that even if things don't happen at just the moment I want them to, that I can trust my God in heaven and his holy promises to be yes and amen, meaning that they will come to pass in God's timing. We can uh, press in to the, the goodness of God. Jesus is the shepherd of our soul. Meaning, he knows how to lead us. He knows how to lead you individually. And if you listen to him today, if you are still and quiet and alone with him and trusting in him, you can hear the voice of your Savior, God. Your Savior, Jesus. The Holy Spirit can speak to you. Because he's the shepherd of your soul. And then we begin to respond to the things that God says to us. It's not us trying uh, to uh, respond to, to have God respond to what we do. It's us responding to God. Because before, when our lives were sinful, God's response was to our sin, that sin, the law of sin is death. But now we are free from that law of sin. Now we have righteousness. And now instead of uh, God laying down the punishment, whether we were uh, repentant or not, now instead of God laying down the punishment, he freely gives us righteousness. He says, come after me and respond to what I'm doing. Begin to walk a whole new life. You are a new creation in Jesus. You are no longer who you once were, but you are now born of the Spirit and able to do the will of God. 
No longer your will, but his. Jesus becoming more and you becoming less and you being able to go and to be the hands and feet of this Jesus who saves us. You know, the Bible teaches us that his banner over us is love. And, and the banner that they're talking about in the Bible, the banner of love, when they would go into battle or into war, they would raise a banner. And God says his banner over us, the army, the children of God is love. His banner over you is love, and it is a powerful love. It's not a mushy, gushy Valentine's Day love. It is a powerful love that says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will never turn my back on you, but I will be a friend that sticks closer than a brother. I will feed you the word of God. I will fill you up to overflowing. I will give you everything that you need to live life my way. I will provide for you. I will be your Jehovah Jireh, your provider. I will be everything to you. I will be your strength and your song. I will be your peace. I will be your strong tower. If you run to me, you will be safe. I will be the shield about you. I will be your protection. I will be your God and I will lead you. I will be all these things to you. I will be your God and you will be my people. That's what the love of God is. The love of God says he will rescue you from every den of evil. He will come after you. His grace is sufficient for you. It is enough for you. It will cover every single sin that you have ever committed and ever will commit. That if you bring yourself into the presence of God. His banner over you is a strong love. And then you no longer live life with God responding to your sin, but now you're living your life responding to God in his direction. Now, when Jesus speaks, we hear his voice. We can hear his voice because we are no longer sinners. We are saved by grace, set free and righteous. And a righteous person can hear the voice of God. And you today can hear the voice of God because righteousness comes like this. Righteousness comes when we find a place alone with God. And we say, God, you are God in heaven. I am not God. You are God in heaven and I am not God. It comes when we find a place to say, God, would you forgive me for my sins? And I know that I have many. God, would you forgive me for this? Would you forgive me for that? Would you forgive me for this attitude? God, would you forgive me for this action? God, would you take away my sins through Jesus? God, I repent. I no longer want to be a sinner. I no longer want to follow the desires of my flesh, but I want to instead follow your spirit. God, help me. God, forgive me. Cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Your word is a holy promise. God, please forgive me. It's in that moment that God's spirit testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. It's in that moment where we recognize our adoption into the kingdom of heaven. It's in that moment when we don't identify with Eve, when we don't identify with Cain, when we don't identify with Ham, when we say we are no longer bound by our sin for life, but we have been set free by the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross, by his resurrection, we have been released from the bondage of sin. It no longer lays claim to our lives. It no longer rests over us. It's not a cloud that goes before us. It's not a mark that's on us. We are free from the law of sin and death. And I don't identify with Adam and Eve. I identify with Jesus Christ. He is my brother. I identify as a child of the living God. I have the Holy Spirit alive within me, leading and guiding my thoughts and my actions. I am now alive to the Spirit and dead to the sinful nature. 
In Romans chapter 6, in the message version, it says, don't even run little errands that are connected with your old way of life. But instead, throw yourself wholeheartedly and full time into doing God's way of doing things, into, do, into God's way of doing things. The Spirit helps us. The Spirit guides us. The Spirit is alive in us. We are no longer running errands for sin. We are no longer bound up with the wretchedness of sin in our minds, but we are set free to begin to do the work of the kingdom. There's no longer a conflict of two natures. Now the holiness in me has one. I can't be joined with both holiness and sinfulness. It's one or the other. And God says, when we accept Jesus Christ, when we repent of our sin, our sinful nature is no more. It is put to death. The old me is crucified with Christ, and it's a new person that lives within me. I am dead to sin and alive in Christ. I am no longer a sinner. I am a righteous saint of God, a child of the living king. The law of sin will kill me, but Christ set me free from that punishment. I am no longer bound by the law of sin and death, but I am free. I no longer have an obligation to sin. Sin deceives us. Sin puts us into bondage. But the great holy promises of God releases us into joy and peace and grace to other people. I am now under grace. I am now a slave to righteousness. I'm now a slave to the Holy Spirit, saying, I am your, yours, God. I am your servant. Whatever you would have for me, I'll do, and I'll do it quickly. I'm yours. Some of us don't recognize sin in our lives. Some of us just go on day after day. And the reason we don't recognize sin in our lives is because we're not spending time in the presence of God. Spending time in the presence of God looks like this. It looks like us getting alone in a space and saying, God, I'm listening. And allowing time to go by and allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to us and minister to us. For some, it might be a, a prayer walk in the woods. For some, it might be worship music and, and closing your eyes and sitting there and listening for the voice of God to speak to you. For uh, many of us, it's reading the word of God and those words jumping right off the page. For me, it was in Genesis. What is this you have done? And for you today, for me today, when the Lord says that to me, what is this you have done, Jillian? I can say, God, forgive me. Because he promises that there's no sin that's not common for, to man and he will forgive us all our sins. And he'll wipe them, the, our slate clean, justified as if we'd never sinned. But the problem is many of us are not listening to that voice of God that's saying, what have you done? We're just going on, justifying ourselves, pretending that sin isn't sin. And God wants the best for us. And that's why he wants us to get rid of sin and be filled with righteousness. Because that's where our joy is complete. That's where we're most effective for Jesus. That's where, where we're closest to Jesus. But when, when sin abounds in our lives, when sin runs rampant in our lives, it leads to death. And God wants us full of the Spirit. How do we know if we're full of the Spirit? Well, the Spirit gives evidence that it's there. 
The Spirit gives evidence in love. The Spirit gives evidence in joy and peace. It's evident that we have the Spirit in us when we can be patient, long-suffering. That we have the Spirit of the living God in us when we're kind. We have the Spirit of Jesus in us when we are self-controlled. Those are evidences of the Holy Spirit at work in us. But what are the evidences of sin in our lives? Well, it's the opposite. It's hatred and bitterness and unforgiveness. It's uh, discontentment. It's anxiety instead of peace. It's worry. It's being frustrated all the time. It's mean. It's rampant, trying to prove ourselves and get what we need. It's pride. It's greed. And there's so many evidences of it that we aren't listening to. We need to be alone with Jesus so we can say, what have you done? Come back. Come back. And then in our place of repentance, we say, God, forgive me. Help me. And it's not us trying harder. It's the Spirit released in us to change us. It's not just trying not to be angry anymore. Just trying really hard not to yell anymore. Trying really hard not to smoke anymore. Trying really hard not to think bad thoughts anymore. Trying really hard not to watch pornography anymore. No, it's the Holy Spirit taking control of our hearts and our lives and putting to death that sinful nature that when we go towards those things, instead of going down the road we've always gone towards, we replace our vocabulary with Scripture. We call out the things in our lives that are evil and we become righteous. We ask the Lord, God, I ask that your Holy Spirit would begin to lead me in a different direction. When we're fighting the fight against sin, when we're trying to break habits, I put scripture verses on sticky notes all over the place. I put it as the backdrop of my phone. I ask people to hold me accountable. I pray more because I want to battle against unrighteousness in my life. And it's possible through the Holy Spirit. We don't hold this big gravity of sin anymore. But Romans says, should we go on sinning so we can get more grace? No. We want to become righteous. But we don't hold that big gravity like Adam and Eve, like Cain. We are set free by the grace of God. A grace that we do not deserve. But then we are set free to begin to live a life that's so useful to the kingdom of heaven. We have this hope of heaven that will not disappoint us. Our hope of heaven will someday be made sight. Our hope of heaven is sure. We can wait eagerly for what's to come. And the Spirit helps us. And the Spirit testifies that we are children of the living God. So my hope is today that you would find a place to begin to listen to Jesus. What are the sins that he would point out in your life? Are we living through the punishments of our sins without even realizing that we should stop and change? Are we quiet enough to listen to God to be able to say, what have you done?
Are we quiet enough to listen that Jesus could bring us back to where we should be as a, in a place of righteousness? Are we allowing God to correct us and adjust us? And at the same time, we need to celebrate these holy promises that we are free from sin. That we, when we repent, that we are justified. That we are swimming in deep, deep waters of grace. That we live in, in the, an age of, of Jesus' forgiveness. We live in an age where the Holy Spirit can speak to us and direct us. My prayer for you is that you would find a quiet place. And just honestly... Open yourself up to God, to what he would say to you. Let's pray. God, you know the very intentions of our heart. You know everything about us. You know why we do things and why we don't do things. God, you know when I sit down and when I get up, you know uh, every motive that I have. God, I pray that we would bear our souls to you. That, God, we would open ourselves up to 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 repent of things that we're doing wrong. And likewise, God, we would listen to what you would say. And we'd be quick to change. God, I pray that we would be slaves to righteousness and not slaves to sin. I pray that an eager hope would rise up in each one of us, the hope of heaven, that we would set our minds on things above. God, we thank you for your word that is active, that's alive, that moves us and changes us. And God, I pray for every person listening that the word of God would become alive today as they read it, tonight as they read it, tomorrow as they read it. Speak to your people, God. Help us to be willing to listen and quick to obey your word. We thank you for your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.